Welcome and thank you for joining us on the College Parent Podcast. I'm Gail Martin and with me is Taylor Rossetti. Today, we're diving into what makes Gen Z different than previous generations in college and how best to communicate with and help your Gen Z student in college. With us today is our special guest, Dan Pedersen, who's the Director of Housing and Residential Initiatives at Northern Illinois University and also father of both Gen Z and millennial children, as well as Marcus Knight, recent Gen Z Belmont University alumna and current Presidential Fellow at Belmont. Welcome, Dan and Marcus, to the College Parent Podcast. Thank you for having me. So good to be here. Awesome. We'll jump into our first question. Dan, as you look at your experience, both professionally and as a father of kids from two generations, what do you see as the biggest difference in communication style and involvement in Gen Z from other generations? At a communication standpoint, I find that everything is on our device now. So communication is a lot of texting, video calls, hesitancy to putting a parent or a guardian or somebody on speakerphone and having that communication out in public with others. <laughs> and that, that's a fascinating phenomenon that I didn't see coming. And it just, it, it's unusual for me, you know, with the uh, the abundance of, of, of um, earpieces and headphones and all these other things that there's a portion of um, our younger population that doesn't mind having a speakerphone conversation with somebody <laughs> and not necessarily keeping it confidential or private. So um, it's very, very interesting to me. More of the students that I see and I work with are um, more comfortable texting as a communication style as opposed to getting on the phone and having a voice-to-voice conversation with somebody. Um, And Marcus, I don't know if that's your experience or your preference, but it just seems like it's easy to do those things and you you can have an ongoing conversation with a loved one or someone important in your life while you're engaging with other people in a different space, yeah. in a different location. And so it's it's kind of probably not a very appropriate or um, courteous way to multitask, but I just see that happening more frequently. Yeah. Yeah, just going off of that, Marcus, as a Gen Z young professional, um, what do you wish that parents knew about trying to relate to and connect with their Gen Z students? Yeah, I think that for the longest time we have had the narrative that when you're born, you have one singular purpose in the earth. You have one calling, one vocation, and your entire life of education, of learning, of connection has to revolve around that one singular thing. But one thing that I think Gen Z especially is learning now with the emergence of technology and social media and different news cycles and all those other things is that we can be multifaceted. We can be multi-dimensional humans. You have the boomer and Gen X generations where you're very loyal to jobs, where you want to work somewhere for 30 years and be able to retire afterwards. But Gen Z, we want to do everything. (laughs) We want to have, you know, five side hustles. We want to be able to be all-encompassing, if you will. And so I think being able to explore a lot of things and be a multidimensional human and be okay with that, I think that's good. Yeah, where have you seen that play out, like, in your personal college journey? Yeah, I, (laughs) I came to Belmont 
because I had a lot of performance background. I toured Belmont as a musical theater major. I declared a music business major, and I still wanted to be an artist. I still wanted to go on the road. I still wanted to be, like, the next Justin Bieber or Bruno Mars or what have you. And... Slowly but surely, as I saw things happening around the world, as I saw things happening on campus, there was a lot of wisdom and knowledge that I needed to gain. And because of that, I got into student life a lot more. I got into work on diversity, equity, and inclusion a lot more, being able to talk about more pressing values for the Gen Z generation, like mental health awareness and personal development and things of that nature. So just being able to dive into those areas as well as still loving the arts, still loving to sing, still loving theater and all those lovely artistic things, being able to veer off the path that I thought I knew, I think has always helped, at least for me. I feel really lucky, uh, Dan and Marcus, that we get to have you both here with your different perspectives on this topic. So I'm curious to hear from both of you on what do you see as the largest obstacle Gen Z students face in college today? My role is, you know, I'm trying to be supportive and I'm trying to help students, right, navigate through these things. So Marcus, I'd be interested in your take on some of the things that I'm seeing is that I think this generation is coming in with a lot more mental health issues that we have to respond to and provide support. But it's interesting because from my perspective, um, this generation more so than any generation prior to Gen Z have had a lot of things diagnosed and identified and labeled. When I was a child, if I was distracted, I might've been diagnosed with ADHD today, but back then I would just be, that's a, that's a boy with spirit. And yep. so, it's interesting now how this generation has um, identifiers put on them through diagnosis for certain things. And then that makes them aware as a young person that I'm different from other people. And I have this and I have this and I have that. And then that becomes something that they can identify and they can attribute to maybe struggles or things that, that become a barrier in their pathway towards achieving something. Right. And so they're then looking for answers, right? Help me with this. I, you know, I am suffering from depression. I have an eating disorder. I don't, you know, my anxiety level is triggered by this. Mm-hmm. So I need this as a solution for, for me. And so that, that becomes one of the, in my work, one of the things that we have to try to be nimble about and how can we meet every student where they are with the, you know, with the complexity of what they're doing and to, and to what you were describing earlier about being more multifaceted. Yeah. Students are very much more um, focused on diversifying their interests and the things that bring them joy, but also the things that reduce some of those stressors and an anxiety level, right? Right. And so they're doing a lot of different things and putting themselves into places that they think are releases or ways to these are my words, to bring them back into a normalized state to get them away from the things that might be causing harm or distressing them. I I completely agree. I think that it's funny because a lot of the things that we experience throughout our world can be very divisive, very polarizing. And at the time of this recording, we're just now leaving a period of two to three years where all we knew was isolation. All we knew was being apart from one another and trying to 
find different ways to do things on our own. And so now, even with the new freshmen and sophomores in college, Gen Z, they're kind of learning how to be social differently. They're learning how to accomplish things differently. And the art of connection has kind of been a little bit skewed, a little bit changed. And people will find community regardless. Now, if that's online, uh, with social media, with uh, different apps or with different communities, then sure. But also being able to have the face-to-face connection, having in-person community with spiritual life and, you know, residence life and other student life areas. I think that people are just in a longing right now. And I think that's kind of the biggest obstacle, just trying to figure out how does that work? How can I challenge what I've always known to be, especially with even the generation after Gen Z? All they will know is technology. And so being able to bring back the humanity and bringing back the art of connection and intentionality rather than just what's the random identity that I can associate myself with. No, and you bring up some really interesting points about how this generation is seeing things being played out in terms of the polarization. And it's not just politics, right? It's this generation is using so many social media platforms to exchange ideas. And there's both positive and there's really harmful things going on there, right? In those environments, because they don't see any consequences to putting a thought stream out into a social media platform, because in their world, they may not see any consequences to that. Right. Right. So if I can get on Yik Yak, I can say whatever I want and nobody's going to know where that came from. And so if my if my intentions are to be harmful, then that triggers a whole other group of people. And then you might be deriving pleasure from that where in other, you know, like in a Snapchat environment where it's a little bit more, you lose that anonymity, then some of these harmful things can then create strife and create drama, can create trauma for other people. Just thinking about what y'all have both covered, whether that is mental health or whether that is technology and trying to figure out how can we integrate that in a healthy way within Gen Z and college students on campus. Like how can parents best support their Gen Z college student in those different areas? Like whether that's helping them see how to use technology in a healthy way or from afar, how do they help support their Gen Z student with mental health? I'll go first. I I think that Above all else, technology is the tool. It is the means to an end. And I think, especially with being a Gen Z young adult, young professional, in the workplace, what have you, I think Gen Z values a lot more value rather than profit or loyalty. They will support a business, an organization, an influencer, a corporation based on what they stand on, not necessarily what they can provide for them. And so I think if it starts with being able to instill right values, using technology will not be a problem if we have the right values behind it. If we set a certain standard for how we talk with others, how we communicate with others, what does you know, speaking our mind look like? What does being able to engage in holistic conversation look like? What does having differing opinions and still being able to come to an agreement at the end of the day, what does that look like? As long as we can have the right values at the standard, at the center, at the baseline, then using technology is only 
you know, a Skillshare course about how to use social media. Like, that's only the add-on. But as long as we can get the basis right, I think that's going to be the best bet. That's good. Yeah, and I would tend to agree. And I, I think parents can be supportive of their students in that regard if they can, you know, figure out how can I be participatory in teaching my student you know, proper social discourse that, you know, while you embrace your values, you have to acknowledge that those are not always going to align with other people. And if you truly believe in a, you know, in a democracy or a country like ours where people have the right or, you know, to express themselves and we have freedom of speech. And if we truly mean that, then that means we accept all speech, speech that makes us uncomfortable, speech that challenges us, um, you know, allowing your student to understand the complexity of that and be supportive of them so to always advocate for yourself but understand that there are others that are going to disagree with you is a great role for a parent to be in and obviously we never want physical violence to be the way that people solve their differences right um so parents have to be supportive as well as an, an edu educator for their students about you know, the proper ways to manage some of that stuff. How do you, you know, how do you navigate these worlds where we have very divergent opinions about a lot of different topics? This, this has been, you know, for this generation, there's never been a time in, in recent memory where we are, are at such opposite ends on so many different topics that are being, you know, fought out in the media in the Supreme Court, in the states, you know, with the abolishment of ADI and what you're able to talk about and teach in school. I mean, th these are really troubling and challenging conversations that are out there that our students have to navigate, and it's not easy. And I think parents can figure out how best to support their students' values on this, in particular, if you don't agree with it, right? Yeah. So imagine a parent who is in a red state that is all for the elimination of critical race thinking in a school but their student is not, is on the other side of that. You know, how does that, you know, what does that Thanksgiving dinner look like? Yeah. Right. That's awesome. Thank you both for sharing your insights on how parents can support their students. And I think it's really easy to focus on how we can support students while they're in school. But I also think it's important to think about their steps after they graduate college as well. So I'd love to hear from both of you on what you see as the largest obstacle Gen Z faces after college and what you think parents can do to help prepare their students well from the sidelines. That's a great question. I, I did a little research prior to us coming together to chat about this and um, I saw some really interesting characteristics from employers about Gen Z college graduates and they talked about some of the things that Marcus was alluding to earlier um, that they really wanted to do purposeful things with their life or their vocation um, but they're not monogamous to their employers and so um, that's you know from a from a work ethic and from a value standpoint that might not jive with a complete one or two generation difference between an employer, a supervisor, and Gen Z students that are leaving college. And so I think parents need to maybe help be aware, one, be aware of that, but two, help, help a recent graduate figure out how to navigate that stuff. I think Gen Z are also looking for autonomy in jobs when they leave college. And my generation, autonomy was earned. You just didn't have it handed to you. You had to show that you understood what you're expected to do. And then autonomy and responsibilities came with you proving yourself. 
And I think this generation expects to be handed that thing right out of the gate. And we probably, you know, coming out of the pandemic, we have done some things systemically that are probably never going to go backwards in terms of creating work environments that are hybrid or exclusively remote that provides an enormous amount of autonomy to somebody, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, these are these are interesting times to figure out how that's going to play out in the long run of the further we move away from the pandemic is whether, you know, whether these work styles are going to move back towards where they were five years ago or whether the embracing of remote work, which provides a lot of autonomy for people, is really that's the way of the future. We need to figure out how to manage that. And the other thing I think it would be important for parents to help their recent graduates figure out is the the value system, the things that they're learning um, in in college, particularly if they're attending a, um, a a university that's providing a fairly robust liberal arts program, is the expectation or the desire to want to be in an inclusive and equitable place mm-hmm. because you've become very comfortable with that concept at your university and then you want that to continue into the workforce is to really help them navigate and use your parental lens and your experiences to help them think about career choices and places of employment that match what they're looking for in that kind of work environment and that culture. Because oftentimes that's not something you're gonna find on a website and employers are always gonna put their best foot forward, right? It's like showing a house. Nobody's gonna take you into the basement and the crawl space to see the ugly parts of the house. (laughs) You see the bright, shiny things. And so employers will do the same thing with our college graduates and show you all the wonderful things that's going to entice you to wanna become a part of our team. And so parents can be very helpful if they can use their knowledge to help make sure that that their students have a very well-rounded look at who a potential employer is going to be and what do they know through their own contacts or through their own experiences about that culture and, and what that's going to mean for that student to be happy. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think two really quick things for parents specifically for Gen Z after college. Number one, I think there has to be a constant embracing of holistic health. It's not enough to just say, all right, what's next on the agenda? What's the next job? What's the next career? Because I think we can kind of get stuck in the hustle and grind mentality so much so that we neglect the other parts of us. And so that means always being in tune with your students' emotional health. How are they feeling about graduating from college and going out into the real world? That is a very huge step. And so being there for them in that moment and being able to walk alongside them, uh, not necessarily holding their hand because they are an adult, but at the same time, being able to always be a constant support and a backing for them. Um, if they are a spiritual or religious, being able to tap into spiritual health as well, um, knowing that this is bigger than you. It affects the people you come in contact with. It affects the legacy that you leave on this earth. It affects the communities that you're a part of, being able to be part of that larger narrative. Um, And obviously mental health as well, just being able to transition well and guide well. And I think being able to, like I said before, knowing that a non-traditional route is okay. It is okay to not graduate from college and go straight into a master's and straight into a doctorate and, you know, all these lovely things. It's okay. 
Maybe your child wants to take a gap year and experience the world and travel and get a little bit more focused on what they want to do. Maybe they want to go to a trade school. Maybe they want to completely change careers altogether. At that point, it is so much in the hand of the student. And I think as long as parents can be just a listening ear and I guess a guiding eye, so to speak, for students, I think that will probably be the best, the best help for them. That's a hundred percent. And, and, you know, this is tongue in cheek, but, you know, don't turn their bedroom into an office or a study. What might be best for the student is to, is to take it all in. I've completed a degree program now. And I, I'm very particular about what I want to do, or I'm very particular geographically where I want to go because of some of the things that are out there in the environment. Right. And I just need that safe space. And, and that safe space could be coming back home. And while a decade ago, that might have seemed like that's really odd or, you know, somehow that's not traditional. You got your degree. You should have a job right, right now. Exactly. It, that's, not, that's, not the, that's not the way it rolls any longer. But that's one characteristic of, of the of the generation is that they like to move at their own pace. Yeah. Different learning styles and they like things individualized. Yeah, the parent is not the student and the student is not the parent. I even remember coming into my fellowship that I'm in right now. My mom really wanted me to go back home. She said, you can move back here. You can get a small job here. Try to get your life together. But I knew that in order to achieve the purpose and the calling that I was meant to achieve, I was going to have to take a risk. I was going to have to take a calculated step of faith, and I was going to have to go out on my own and do the thing and learn as I go. And for a parent, perhaps that is very scary <laughs> to just kind of let your child explore on their own. And for a good reason, the world is still very fallen and very scary. But at the same time, no good thing comes without risk. And that includes your child, your student, being able to develop and to grow and to evolve on their own terms. Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody has experienced that. Like, doesn't matter which generation you're from. Dan, I'm sure you've experienced that, too, in, like, your career as well. But, yeah, we just want to kind of highlight some takeaways that both of y'all touched on. And so, Dan, you said that autonomy is earned. Uh, and that this generation is searching for purpose, but they're not monogamous to a career path or to a specific job. And so for parents walking alongside students, their perspective, the parents' perspective from their career path could help a student see, yes, I can search and I can look for different jobs and try different jobs until I find out what is best fit for for that student. However, the parent can remind them that with loyalty does come autonomy and reminding that student that stay in a job for a couple of years, you know, stay in it, build that trust, build that rapport. But I really did like that takeaway that um, this generation searching for purpose, but not monogamous. And on the right. other side of that, a parent can remind them that autonomy is earned through loyalty. Right. The search doesn't mean you're not focused. It means that you're searching, right? You're yeah. curious. You're still in that process. Absolutely. Another really cool takeaway from Marcus was just a reminder that this generation does really value being multidimensional humans. I really liked how you used that phrase. And just remembering that 
each of our students in this generation has very diverse interests and they are looking to diversify their different skills, their different passions, their hobbies, and learning how to invest in these students in a holistic way will better benefit them in the long run. Exactly, exactly. And then last takeaway, when we talked about technology, there's got to be some kind of boundary setting with this technology. And uh, both of y'all hit on that. It starts in the house. It starts with with raising the student before they go off to college and instilling those right values of here. Here is some guidelines of how you can still have a voice with technology and speak what your mind says, but also still being um, receptive to the people around you and, and, and having emotional intelligence in what you're sharing. But really, really appreciated that. We'd like to give a big thank you to both Dan and Marcus for sharing both of your valuable insights and just the different experiences you both have gained through your life experience to speak on this topic. For more engaging discussions, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify to explore our other episodes. Wishing you a fantastic day and we'll see you next time.